Hola, and welcome to the Beauteous Me podcast, a relatable and authentic space for all. Tune in as we share stories of triumph, resiliency, and healing. We do this all while finding its inner beauty. My name is Jamili Whitfield, and the journey begins now. Welcome, guys, for another episode of the Beauteous Me podcast. You know, I always have phenomenal guests, and I always have to big them up, so you guys might think it's repetitive. I'm like, I'm so excited, but I am excited because there's so many exciting people in this world, and we just have to honor and love and pour upon them. So I'm excited to introduce Dr. Sheena Howard. Dr. Howard is an award-winning author, filmmaker, and scholar. In 2014, Dr. Howard became the first black woman to win an Elsner and Eisner or Elsner? Eisner. Eisner. Mm-hmm. Eisner. Okay. You see, that's when you don't know about filmmaking and stuff, you know, <laughs> I should learn because my husband does it, but <laughs> an Eisner award for her first book, Black Comics, Politics of Race and Representation. The Eisner Awards are considered the Oscars of comics. She is also the author of several critically acclaimed books and comic books. In 2017, Sheena published the Encyclopedia of Black Comics, which is the first book of its kind, profiling over 100 Black people in the comic industry. The Encyclopedia of Black Comics was named the 2018 American Library Association's Outstanding Reference Source. In 2014, Sheena published Black Queer Identity Matrix and Critical Articulations of Race, Gender, and Sexual Orientation. Sheena is the co-writer of the comic book Superb, about a teenage superhero with Down Syndrome. She has appeared on NPR, ABC, BBC, PBS, as well as other networks and documentaries as an expert on popular culture, politics, and social justice. Sheena is the subject of a 2018 Emmy-nominated episode of The State of Arts, which airs in NJTV and WHYY. In 2016, Sheena directed, produced, and wrote the documentary, Remixing Colorblind, which explores the ways the educational system shapes our perception of race. Parts of the documentary were filmed in West Catholic High School in Philadelphia, Leahy University, and Drexel University. The film premiered at the Ritz Landmark Theater in Philadelphia. Sheena organized and hosted a talk about race and education at the Philadelphia Main Library in 2017 as a part of her documentary tour, in which proceeds from the event went to local nonprofit organizations. Sheena has twice received the proclamation from the city of Philadelphia for her literary work, social justice, and creative projects. Sheena was born and raised in Southwest Philadelphia. She now has one child, is an associate professor at Rider University in the Department of Communication and Journalism. Outside of her full-time job, Sheena spends time writing and speaking to organizations and educational institutions on on a variety of topics, including social justice, diversity, and representation. Dr. Howard, it is beyond an honor reading your biography. It's like, can I get an autograph? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And I really like what you're doing with the, the phenomenal, um, especially female guests that you have on the show. So I'm so happy to be up, be here in the lineup with you and to talk about what's going on with me. Yes. So Dr. Howard, share your story and how you got into not only doing comics, but um, in the work that you're doing with social justice. Yeah. So I feel like it was a really, I feel like I'm just finally finding like my lane, um, like my lane, you know, what I want to do, um, particularly as a writer and a public figure. Um, and for me, I kind of just stayed in school. And so I figured it out. So I went all the way to get my PhD at Howard University. 
did my dissertation on um, representation of race and gender in black comic strips. And then from there, I just really got into the comics field and, and writing academically about um, the political messages in comics, race and gender in comics and, and media in general, um, sexual orientation, representation in comics and media in general. And so for the last like 10 years, I've just been honing not my academic, my academic writing, but my creative writing as well. And just finding my lane in that sort of creative space. Personally, I think academic writing is creative if you write the way that I write. Mm. Um, oh, and she yeah. writes. Oh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> I've, been, I've been branching off more into what we traditionally think about creative writing, like comics, graphic novels, writing um, documentary, film, fiction, and that kind of thing. So let's talk about some, because I don't think people look at the political messages in comics. Right. And so, and you bringing that about, can we, can you talk a little bit more about um, why we're choosing comics now to kind of talk about, I mean, it's, it's always right. been discussed, but in, in your work in, in talking right. about social injustices. So I found that when I was at Howard University studying the civil rights movement and all of the great leaders that have, um, you know, fought for black liberation and change, we we focus a lot on the black preachers and the black speakers, right, and oratory. And so as I was studying all these things, I was I was also reading the Boondocks comic strip, which was really which was really popular um, in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. And I started to think like all of these things that we talk about around black liberation and black oratory and, and political change are also in comics and I felt like it was a it was a very lucrative medium that black people had been using really effectively but had been ignored so all through like the 50s 60s even before that black people were commenting on um social justice and, and race issues in very mm-hmm. creative ways that were, that were really touching people and so that's where I kind of said well let me hone in on this because I think it's just something that should be I think that the medium of comics um, is very fruitful. I mean, there's a lot to research on how comics can teach kids how to read or get kids into reading. Um, And then you also can have a little bit more leeway in comics to do some of the things that you might not be able to do in other mediums because it's a different medium. Mm -hmm. So in, in talking about the injustices right now and where we are politically and the not only the political divide, but the racial divide, and even the divide with people not supporting the Black Lives Matter movement and feeling like it's all Lives Matter movement. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. I just, I just, I just finished going in on somebody on Facebook, mm-hmm. so I had to pray Good. on it because <laughs> Ooh, I had to pray on it and light some incense because I was like, Jesus. They took me out of character. <laughs> but let's talk about that because the, the, the reality is, is that we have to use different platforms. So comics exactly. for people who, who um like to, who are visual learners, right? And who read with visual. And that's what comics has. It has like, it's a story that it's telling with and, and it's depicting, but with, with the movement, with Black Lives Matter movement and All Lives Matter movement and how people are, are so divided without understanding the truth behind what the civil rights movement is and why we're, why we're still here. Mm-hmm. Why we're still here. You said it right. We have to use every medium that is at our disposal. So, you know, it's not just about the person that can go out on TV and speak about these issues. It's, it's also about the, the lawmakers and the black politicians. It's also about all the different avenues within 
um, the art world that we can use to reach as many people as we can. But at the end of the day, you know, black people are doing what they are supposed to be doing. We, we have been fighting for our rights, our humanity, our safety for so many generations. And it's not up to us anymore. We don't, we don't have the answers clearly because we can't do it on our own. So it's white people that need to fix this because it's white people that created it. Right. So, um, you know, we, we still need people to use the black people, of course, to use their platforms to keep spreading the message and fighting for change and getting policies and procedures changed. But at the end of the day, we don't have the answers. Um, but I do think that art can be a, a place for black people to escape. You know, one of the things that I looked forward to, um, every Sunday over these last few weeks was the show Insecure. So mm, even while yes. you know, all of this stuff was going on, it was just so depressing and heartbreaking. Um, the, Insecure was something that for 30 minutes made me feel good. Right. And so not only is art like political, it, it's also a form of escape for us, which we have always needed and we will continue to need until we're free. I I thought it was important when you talk about using the different platforms. So when we look at the Netflix series, Black as Fuck, you know, Mm -hmm. and and if you've watched it where you pay attention, where every little um, every little mini episode is talking about racial disparity, but it's bringing it in so many different contexts Mm -hmm. where so many people are questioning themselves, questioning their identity. But also, you know, we're tired of doing the work and we're tired of explaining Mm-hmm. to people why right. this is important. Like we're tired of it. Right. And even at work when, you know, people want to have you on race equity teams or et cetera, just because uh, we're black and brown, we don't essentially want to be on the team. We don't want to continue to have this discussion because exactly. everyone is tired. Everyone is right. tired. And you said something that was so important. Other people have to join us and do the work. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I like, you know, people say that we're in like this black art renaissance and we've been in it and black people are creating and there's a lot more content for, for people of color. One of the things that I kind of like about what some, you know, black showrunners are doing is they're creating content for us. Like they're creating content that is speaking to us. We talk about shared cultural meaning, meaning and shared cultural understanding. Like they're creating content in which black people can say, yes, this is for us. Like, you know, it's not centering whiteness. It's not, um, you know, being written by white people. You know, I think mm-hmm. about shows, shows again, like, like insecure and some of the stuff that Cheo Coker is doing. And just even in the comics world, we're, 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 we're writing stuff for us. And I, I, to me, that is a place that makes me feel good. It makes me feel like we, we have made progress. Absolutely. And if you look at even, um, music videos and how much more provocative we're being, you know, mm-hmm. my, my husband is a, a director, he does music videos. And so when you look at the treatments that are being written for music videos, they're much more, um, talking about the, the disparities. One of his friends who's a, an R and B artist, um, one of his last songs and, and, you know, the, the artwork behind it, the cover artwork was so impactful and he had every, every single young black man or black man who mm-hmm. was killed um, by a cop on his cover mm-hmm. photo and in like just intertwined so nicely artistic. Mm-hmm. But yeah. even the art, you know, the art has always been there, but now people are poor paying attention, if you will. People are more paying attention and now even more so than ever. Right. And as a writer and a creative, this is a very inspiring um, time for me because I feel like people are um, more open 
to the types of stories that I write where, you know, I try to challenge the dominant narratives. I try to challenge the stereotypes. I try to challenge, you know, the single dimension iconography that we've seen for, for, for centuries and years about different types of people. Um, but particularly for the African-American community and the LGBTQ community. So as a writer and creative, this is an exciting time. And it's a time where, you know, there's a, there's different avenues that like you can take the back door to getting your work seen by the people who are going to appreciate it. You know, with social media, with all of these um, streaming platforms, um, you can really claw and hustle your way, I feel, to get to get a really good following that's going to sustain your work. Absolutely. And I think that's a perfect segue to talk about when you talk about different issues when, um, with your book, Nina's Whisper. Mm-hmm. And so you touched on so many things. We talked about race. We talked about um, mixed race relationships and um, LGBTQ relationships, right? Yeah. Exactly. And, oh, I cannot wait for this book to be released. When I tell you I could, mm-hmm. I, I read it in one day. I sat there, I digested, and I was like, oh my Thank good. You. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. Because you touched on it. You you went so deep into the relationship. And I really like how you, you put things into perspective and you didn't, the, the character, because I'm not going to give you everybody's name right. and stuff, because uh-huh. y'all got to read the book. But the character, right. um, one of the main characters was an African-American doctor. And I yeah. love that. You, exactly. you know, writers tend to switch the roles in having African-Americans as, you know, impoverished or just mediocre with school or not mm-hmm. being able to fulfill financial duties and buying a house. Mm-hmm. She was a black mm-hmm. woman, yes. bought a house, raised, went back to certain neighborhoods, had a circle, and her partner was of white race and right. was born right. not uh, impoverished and, and, right. and with struggles, et cetera. And you saw the disparities that people don't bring about. And what I loved about it is that, you know, in society, people are quick to say black and brown people are on welfare. Black and brown people are criminals. Black and brown people are this. Black and brown people are the most are the the prominent ones in in foster care or in the prison system. And we never shed light on white people. And right. in in my work, um, working in, in a residential treatment center with youth, I get mm-hmm. to work with different counties. So I get mm-hmm. white kids mm-hmm. in my program. And I see what 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 was the what is society right. putting out there that's different? There's the exactly. impoverished, they're impoverished. There's the trailer park, there's the trailer park. You know what I'm saying? Right. Whether it's 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 the projects or the trailer park. There's the alcoholism and, and the substance abuse. This is what you're claiming that African Americans mm-hmm. and black and brown people are alcoholics or using substances. There's the physical abuse, there's the incest, there's the, mm-hmm. the sexual abuse and trauma. Mm-hmm. Boom, boom, boom. But y'all won't shine the light on this one. Y'all gonna shine right. the light on this one. Right. And for me, that's why uh, that's why everything for me comes back to representation. You know, when I see, you know, white police officers have an irrational and illogical fear of black men because they assume black kids are older than what they are. They assume that we're stronger and bigger than what we are. A lot of that comes back to representation and the psychology of representation. Right. If you're if if you've grown up in all your life, you've seen images of kind of brute, muscu- muscular, superhuman right. black men, or you you only appreciate black men when they're playing sports and being sports, physical, yep. mm-hmm. then your 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 psychology of black men is going to be that of you know I should be scared of them and they are superhuman and I need to you know put them in their place by shooting them even when they're unarmed and so that's why a lot of things for me comes back to representation. We need 
we need we need less harmful representations of um I don't like to call us minorities, but um oppressed groups. Yeah. And more um positive representations. And when I say positive, I don't mean that, you know, black people don't have the same struggles and family dynamics as someone else. I mean it needs to be a variety and varied representation. You know, if you're gonna show, you know, we can't have a we can't have so many shows just about black trauma or the, mm-hmm. the, the same the same sort of script right. um every single time because then people start to think that this is how all black people are and this is the life that all black people live and you know everybody wasn't raised with two parents in the household and and, and two kids and a dog you know some people some some people were raised by single mothers and they've grown up to be awesome people you know some people were raised just by their dad and they've grown up to be awesome people so just you know my whole thing is kind of challenging these these scripts that we've been taught there's so Mm -hmm. much more to life than the just these scripts that media has um provided for us for centuries and they're in and at the hands of white people Absolutely. And and when we look at not only what media writes, it, it's what they write about every character. It's always the white person with the big house and the job, the, the black or brown person, you know, being of servant, of subservient, mm-hmm. of being their mm-hmm. employee and not the employer. Right. You know, exactly. and, and or the maid or the help right. or the child. Exactly. Exactly. It's like we, we have to take away from that. Um, that image that's being portrayed, because when we look at it from back then, when they were portraying, like, just like you said, um, African-American men as beasts, as animals, as chasing women, exactly. as chasing, like f- to, to disclose that rape, mm-hmm. but we're not looking at the other side. We're exactly. not looking at these white collared crimes or these other crimes that are being committed at just as worse as what we, we've been enslaved, you know, to commit you selling weed exactly. and you're going to do like five five years in jail, but you out here taking everybody's health insurance and insurance right. and you just out here doing what, you know, and we're not right. talking about that. We're not putting that out there because it's exactly. like, oh, and behold, if you put a white person on blast, like how dare, how dare you, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, and, and that's one of the reasons, too. So you mentioned my fiction book, Nina's Whisper, which came out in April. Um, right now I have a Kickstarter going on for the graphic narrative version of the book, which is going to be the fiction book, but it's going to have images with it. Because like you said, I think that the visuals go a long way in changing the psychology of what we think about different types of people. And when you can see it, then you can start creating awareness and hopefully start, you know, chipping away at the psychology of what people think about certain groups of people. And I think it's also important that you you characterize the relationship between both characters. Again, I'm not giving up names because y'all got to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but also with LGBTQ, that people don't exactly. think that, they, that you have the same type of relationship. The gaslighting. Exactly. The, the domestic violence, the control mm-hmm. of either finances or of this mm-hmm. or friendships. That's all in every relationship. It doesn't matter yeah. who yep. you're with or what you choose. It's like we have yep. to kind of break down... Same break down these biases that people mm-hmm. have engraved, whether it's from religious backgrounds, et cetera, but these are human beings. These we, we're all human. And so the way you portrayed it, it was just like, Oh, Oh, Oh my goodness. And that's what I was hoping to do. Like, I, I remember I was on an interview a couple of months ago and a straight white guy, he was like, you know, as a straight white guy, he was like, you know, I felt this story and I was connected to the character. He was like, and it was just amazing to see, to, to really feel something outside of himself. And that's really what I was trying to do in the story. And, um, 
that's why I was trying to get those emotional beats down in the book to where I needed to get them so that when the reader's reading it, they feel what Nina is feeling. Nina, the main character, is feeling. Um, because, you know, we learn by, you know, being able to empathize with other people and being able to step outside of our own shoes and and understand somebody else's life experience. And that's where growth happens for, for all of us, right? If we just only tuned into the things that we cared about in our own single life experience, then we wouldn't be knowledgeable. We wouldn't be able to give back. We wouldn't be able to help other people who are in situations that we haven't been in. And so that's one of the things I was trying to do with, with the book is one show that, you know, the tactics of an abuser are the same, whether the abuser is a male or a female, they all use the same tactics. It's the same. Physical violence, gaslighting, Mm -hmm. isolating you, all of those things. Right. And so, you know, we're, we're fed the script that abuse is a man abusing a woman. And it's not. It's not. Abuse is about power and control. control. A woman can abuse a woman. A male can abuse a male. A woman can abuse a male. Um, And so just trying to create that awareness about same-sex domestic abuse. I think in getting deeper, and maybe I'm just reading too much into it, but when we look at Nina and her partner, right? It was still, though Nina had all these accomplishments, it was still a white person bringing her down. Yeah, that to me was just like it, it. It it if we look at where we are with society, you yep. you you're Doctor Howard, but Doctor mm-hmm. Howard can meet someone mm-hmm. else who's just plain Jane Doe who yep. works at at T Mobile, and 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 little T Mobile's gonna come yep. after Doctor Howard. It, it doesn't matter, and think that little T Mobile is better than Doctor Howard. Yep. 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 And, um, that's one of the things I wanted to challenge in the book too, just painting a different idea of what a victim of abuse looks like, because typically I think people that have no experience with domestic abuse think that a victim is someone who's not financially secure, someone who has low self-esteem, someone that doesn't have much going for themselves, but no, a victim of abuse can look like anything. And in this particular case in the book, the victim, she was a doctor. She had it going on, had her own house, dependent on anyone, was assertive, confident. And actually, like you said, the abuser used all of those positive traits to psychologically damage her and, and to slip her into an abusive relationship. Absolutely. And and mm-hmm. how how frequently is that happening right now? Was yep. like all the time. Right? It, it, happens, everything right is now, just like yeah. as we speak. Yep. <laughs> yep. And like you said, it has a lot of parallels too to racism. Like mm-hmm. racism is abuse. Like yeah. it's <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I was like, maybe I'm getting a little too deep, but you know, that's just how I do. I've I'm, i dissected that book in that manner, and these were every these are the things yep. that I extrapolated from it. It's like the similarities yeah. of what's being happened what's happening now. Yeah. And you can read, you can read Nina's whisper through a lot of different lenses and get a lot of different layers out of it. Like you said, if you read it through a race lens as a black person or as a person of color, man, it's so much to dissect. If you read it through a different lens as a white person, as a straight white male, you're not going to, you're not going to interpret all of those nuances of the race dynamic. You're going to interpret it as, you know, the, the straight white male lens where you might be focusing on, wow, you know, domestic abuse in a same sex relationship. Like, so it's just so many different lenses, depending on who the person is that's reading, it can take away from it. And that's what art is, right? Um, yeah. It's about interpretation. Absolutely. And I think that's important. So let's talk about, um, you said you have a Kickstarter and I think people, you got to support the Kickstarter. So you better send me that link because I will, I will. I am definitely going to support 
Thank you so much. Yeah. So yeah, the Kickstarter is going on right now. It has um, about 14 or 15 days left. Um, and yeah, I'm trying to fund the graphic novel, the graphic narrative. I call it a graphic narrative, not a graphic novel. Um, a version of the book, which I'm going to release next April. So the fiction book came out this April. So next April, hopefully uh, COVID-19 will be done with and I can really get out in front of people and, and um, you know, do speaking engagements and book signings and stuff. Um, and so, yeah, um, go support the Kickstarter. I'll definitely send you the link. But if you want to look it up, if your listeners want to look it up, just go to Kickstarter, type in Nina's Whisper. Sheena Howard is my name and it should pop right up. Thank you. So Dr. Howard, what is next for you? So I got, I got, I got 2021 is actually going to be a big year. I have three books coming out in 2021. I have Nina's Whisper, a graphic narrative coming out. I have a graphic novel about, um, black Philadelphia political leaders and basically historical figures. Um, it's a graphic novel for the, it's actually for the Philadelphia public school system. So it's going to be a part of their curriculum. It was through a Pew research grant. Um, and so that's coming out in 2021. And then I have another book published by Bimbella press called why Wakanda matters, what black Panther reveals about psychology, identity, and communication. And that book is about what the African-American community can learn about mental health through the um, movie black Panther. So I'm really excited about that book and portions of the, um, sales from that book is actually going to go to a black lives matter related, um, organization. So super excited about 2021. I got a couple of, a couple of other things behind the scenes that are going on. That we got to wait for 2021. I want to read that book now. Pre-order it. Pre-order it. I don't want to wait. Order it. And so, yeah, I'm really excited. We got a lot of different, um, for the Why Wakanda Matters books, I got a lot of different um, psychologists, mental health experts, Black female mental health experts, communication scholars um, that have written chapters. So that's, I'm really excited about that book. Um, and yeah, just trying to create and inspire. And that's exactly what you are doing. And just, you know, even a snippet of what you're writing, it, it just brought me into the world of of the work that you do. And I'm so grateful that the universe has a Dr. Howard here Thank in order universe. to bring that because, you know, people need to not only read about it, but see the artistic side of it. And if, if it's difficult for people to have number one conversations or difficult for people to understand history, because everyone right. has a different genetic makeup and able to understand mm-hmm. and stuff, then, you know, it's important that comedy and and visuals help folks. That's why, you know, a lot of people like watching movies or documentaries because that's where exactly. they get the, the information. So, you know, this is an, an, a platform that you've allowed people to understand the work that needs exactly. to continue to be done um, and what they can do. So I'm super excited for 2021 for you. I'm a little, I'm a little feeling in my feelings that I got to wait 2021 to get some of those books. Yeah. But- <laughs> Twenty one is going to be popping. Yes, it is. It's, it's going to be. And we're halfway crazy. through twenty twenty. By the way, this is like the six month mark. So, so you telling me to be patient, right? Yeah. <laughs> and anybody out there that created those New Year's resolutions and their twenty twenty goals, you know, check back on them because we're six months in. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I'm so grateful that you spent this time. And I think we had some really deep conversations and I want people to look back, tell them where they can find you. You have Instagram. 
please go to my website, www.sheenachoward.com. I do have social media, but you know, I don't own social media. I own my website. There you go. So I want you guys to go to www.sheenaachoward.com. Check out what I got there. Twitter, I'm Dr. Sheena Howard. Instagram, I'm Dr. Sheena Howard. That's doctor with a D-R. My Facebook fan page is Dr. Sheena Howard. So the brand is streamlined. <laughs> there you go. It's simple. Sheena, yeah. Dr. Sheena Howard, guys. <laughs> yeah. The website is SheenaCHoward.com. So find me, join my newsletter, um, send me a message. I'm there. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here with me and sending you so much love and light. And I'm Same to you. for you. <laughs> so much and we'll be in touch absolutely thank you thanks for listening to this week's episode i hope this episode fed your soul please be sure to download new episodes you can also head on over to rate review and subscribe for more updates find us at www.iambeauteousme.com or on instagram at i am beauteous me don't forget to use the hashtag beauteous me podcast for your feedback